Okay. I, I don't even know where to start. I really don't. I, I feel like often, I mean, this, this happens often. Martha can testify to it. I am pacing in the house, I think, while I walk. And she, she would come in from being gone somewhere and she'd say, what have you been doing? I said, I've been walking around all afternoon preaching in my mind, in my brain. It's, it, it's hard to turn off. It, it feels to me like It feels like most of my life I've been walking and running. And this feels more like flying. <clears throat> and that's really subtly behind the scenes what Rick's been sharing, what Matt shares, what everybody that teaches shares in some ways. There's more, folks. There's more. Lots more. When Jack Taylor told me that morning when he was praying for me, son, God woke me up at 4, four o'clock this morning and he said, he told me to tell you this. It's right before I came out to speak one morning. He said, as much as you know about grace and you know a lot, there's a whole lot more you don't know than you do know. And he was right. I knew he was right when he said it. There's more. What I don't want to happen in my own life is I don't want to build a bigger box for God to live in. Even though it's a nicer box, a more gracious box, a kind box, a wonderful box. If you're going to build a box, it's a wonderful box that many people have built around grace, I think. And it can be a really, really big box. And you're okay like you are. You're all right. I mean, I'm so proud of most of you for what you've already received and the changes in your thinking that's happened over the course of a number of years for a lot of us. I'm proud of you for that. I love being around people that are receivers and thinkers and people who want to experience all, all the life of God that's possible for all of us to experience and to know. And if that's going to keep happening in your life, you can't, you can't settle down and believe that everything you think at this moment and believe this moment, you will continue to believe in the future. That it won't change. Change always happens in growing things. You understand that? You always change. As I told you the last time I spoke, I'm more certain of a few things than I've ever been in my life, but I'm more uncertain about a whole bunch of things than I've ever been in my life also, and I don't care one bit. I don't care about being certain. I know I'm going to come to some certainty in time as I think and study and pray and receive in the future. So, if you don't ever hear something you've never thought, how are you ever going to have different ideas? Don't worry about something... You don't have to be afraid. If, 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 if you're wrong about something, God's not mad at you, is he? No, we got past that a long time ago, didn't we? God's not mad. He's not angry. 
He loves you. He loves me with an unconditional, absolute, pure love that's beyond anything that any of us can even express. And that's never going to change. So you're okay. <laughs> the last time I spoke, if you weren't here, I made a statement that I want to clarify. Or made several statements I want to clarify. And one of the ones is this. I said, this is not the Word of God. This is not the Word of God. And it's not. It doesn't claim to be. You know, John the Baptist and the Bible have one thing in common. Aside from being clad in leather most of the time. <laughs> they have one thing in common. Both of them were voices that testified to the Logos. But yet neither one of them were the Logos. They pointed to the Logos. Behold, the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist. And the Bible does. Jesus, I have, have a great, great respect for this. I, I treasure the book. I do. I, I've studied it my whole life, just about. And I don't know where I would be or what I would think. I don't have any idea where we would all be without this. I believe it's a miracle, honestly. That behind the scenes somehow or other, even in its present form, God was in the collection somehow. Now, people get, get involved in the collection and also get involved in the translations and all that. So what I would say, I believe this is inspired, but I don't believe it's infallible, not in its present form. It might have been in the original manuscripts. We don't have those. But it's still inspired. Jesus liked it pretty good, didn't he? He opened the scriptures. He opened the scriptures. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He opened the, 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 the word to the two guys walking on the road to Emmaus, didn't he? And he said, and he pointed, he preached to them the whole trip. And he showed them, this is all about me. So therefore, if you're going to, I'm saying it's a tremendous challenge to properly deal with this. And if you don't believe that, look at the mess we're in. All of it based on the Bible. You can build any kind of thought system you want to based upon this. There's been some horrible, horrible, abusive, wicked stuff done in the name of a doctrine that they will say is based here. And they got scriptures to show you. Horrible thing. There's a whole denominational system, not beyond denomination, actually, a thought process a, that will... From the Bible, very smart people put this uh, system together. Very, very intelligent people. And they say a loving God created, multiplied billions and billions of people who he knew were going beforehand. He beforehand knew they were going to spend an eternity frying like a piece of bacon in hell. That they don't have a choice, a chance. They weren't predestined to it. They were predestined to hell. That is not consistent with a God of love. It's wrong. It's, it's nonsense. It, uh, that's not a God of love. That's a monster. So you can use your brain and your logic to think about some of these things. If this is true, then this can't be true. If God is a God of love, that cannot be true. And I can show you many other things. And I can also say, build any system you want to. 
I can do the same thing. All you got to do is, you know, proof text here, proof text there, put it all together, and you've got your thought process, and some people will believe it, and they'll come and follow you, and all this kind of stuff. And because they don't study, they don't look, they don't, they don't listen to you much. They just want to be there. And I can do the same thing. I can do the same thing. I can cherry-pick scriptures. I can put it together to refute what you just said. You can build any kind of system you want to based upon this. And you can say, you could say, that's why we have 40,000 denominations, Christian denominations, Christian sects and thoughts and issues and all this. We're in a big fat mess as far as that goes. We fuss, we fight, we don't agree, we, we build our, our, our system and God help you if you deviate from it. Thank goodness I didn't grow up very long in a system like that. I did for a while. Martha and I joined the Baptist system right off the bat. The Baptist box. It's the only box I knew. The person that led me to the Lord really, you know, was in that box. And so I thought everybody was. I just wanted to do what they tell me, told me to do. But I started kicking against that box pretty early because there were some things that did not make sense to me that I didn't like. It didn't make me feel good. It hurt me, and that's the way it felt. So I just finally gave up on it all, and I said, uh, you know, if this is all true, then, you know, I, I can't do all this stuff. I, I, can't, I can't accomplish this. I can't change this much. I can't. I can't do that. I, I'm not going to live with guilt. Even if I'm guilty in this realm, spiritual realm, I'm not living with guilt. I don't, I don't care what they say. This is kind of like that. I didn't have anything to back it up, but that's the way I felt. Here's some, here, here's some things like, like, I believe properly translated properly interpreted and properly applied this will say the same thing to all of us at the same time just about but I don't believe it is most, most of the time Let's, let, let me show you a few things like uh, how important just a word is a word a mistranslated word leads to a misinterpreted word and is going to lead to a misapplication of that word. Just one word. Let's take the word repentance, for example. Almost always in the past, you, in most churches today, you mention repentance. Repentance, what does that mean? Repent from what? Repent from what? Repent of your sin. Repent of your sin. Which means what? Well, it means feeling real sorry that you're a sinner. Mean, means that you've sinned. It means being broken. It means, uh, you know, snot flying and tears and begging God to forgive you. That's what it means in people's minds. It's always attached to sin. Unfortunately, repentance does not mean that. Unfortunately for you, fortunately for us, it doesn't mean that. So when I first started seeing some words, paying attention to those words, things started 
getting clearer to me. Repentance comes from the Greek word metanoia. I've taught you all this, and, and others have. I, I'm not trying to repeat myself. Metanoia. It means meta-change, noia, gnosis, no. Change your mind, your, your knowledge. Change, think again. Rethink. Think differently. Look at this differently. See it differently. That's what, it, it's a constant process in all of us to change our minds as we go along and learn new information, right? That's a process. God never required us to feel sorry. He never, he never required us to feel shame. He, he, he never required any of that of us. Why would you be ashamed of being who you are? If you were born in sin, as David said, if you were, you were in Adam, did you ask to be in Adam? Did you ask for that? No. You just were. So, why does God require an apology from us for living up to who we are? He didn't. What He wanted us to see, He wanted us to see, He wanted us to change our minds about the way we see God and the truth about God. He wanted us to see that. That's what repentance means. There's another word translated that means grief, sorrow, you know. Uh, metamelami. That's what Judas felt when he, after he betrayed Jesus, he felt metamelami. He felt sorrow. That's just one word. That, that one word right there, your change of concept leads to you thinking about, okay, then what about so and so? That leads to what about so-and-so? Let's look at all this stuff that we've believed and accepted for all, all, some people all their lives. That was my process. Well, wh what else do you do with sin? You don't just repent of sin. You also have to con what? confess sin. You gotta, so sin and confession is always tied together. You know there's not a single verse in the Bible that ever is, a Christian is ever required of confessing their sin? Not one single one for a believer. Not a one. So look at the word, confess, homo legeo, same, same, really, same word, homo legeo, same word, come into agreement with word. You say the same thing this says. You, 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 you confess. You come into agreement with. That's what it means. The word salvation translated to salvation or saved. Sozo. Very, very important you understand this. Sozo does not mean, salvation does not mean I get to miss hell and go to heaven. Will you get that thought out of your mind, please? Just get that thought. Heaven, hell, all this stuff out of your mind, please, for, for a little while. Sozo means, it means to be made whole. It means really restoration of your original design the original design that God spoke when he spoke you into being so to speak that was his original design for you for every human being really so being saved means to be made whole or at least you're in the process of being made whole we're saved every day we're being made whole every day he's not he, he the references there aren't to heaven or hell. Saved. What about conviction? 
Conviction of the Holy Spirit. What? That's another very important word. Alinko, you know what that means? It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is coming and talking to you and making you feel bad about your sin all the time. You know, convicting. You're a convict. <laughs> so it makes you feel. Conviction of your sin. It doesn't mean that. Alinko means, it means convince. It means to convince. The Holy Spirit is convincing you of the truth about Jesus. The truth about your Heavenly Father. That's what He's convincing you of. He says that in John 16. We're going to read here in just a minute. Important word. Very important. But let this point you to Jesus. Don't deify this. Don't deify it. Now, it's important that you understand why I say that. Bill Snell, when he spoke last time, he's, he grew up in the Baptist system. And he said, yeah, here's the way it was in the Baptist system. The Holy Spirit never was mentioned, and he really wasn't, except in vague ways and vague terms. And it was uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Scriptures with Baptists. The Holy Spirit's left out. Now, they wouldn't say that, but it's the truth. What he said was the truth. That this was elevated to a place of deity. It really was. So you're afraid, to, you're afraid to mess with it. You're afraid to look at it. You become afraid of saying, is that really what that says? And is that really what that means? Now, I've got to get started on some stuff or I'm never going to get through. <laughs> the good news is I get to come back next week and I'll pick up any loose threads I left laying around. <laughs> the emphasis in my heart is to emphasize to you the Holy Spirit came to be our teacher. He outranks the Bible. He outranks the Bible. But he will guide you and teach you as you open your heart to him and study this. I study it all the time. But I've come to the place, and this is what kind of... I think more than anything accelerated all this stuff in my thinking and mind is to pay more attention to the Spirit as my teacher, my guide. I, I see it like this. Jesus came to reveal the Father, didn't he? I think the Spirit came to reveal Jesus. Because he said, he'll bring to you remembrance everything that I said. He takes of mine and gives it to you. He takes of mine and he gives it to you. He's revealing Christ to his finished work. Don't you feel a pleasure from the Spirit in your heart when you... It feels like that to me. The pleasure of the Lord when I receive and begin to rejoice in some of the stuff Jesus died to give me. I feel his pleasure in that. 
It certainly brings pleasure to me. And every time I think like that, God gets bigger to me. God gets better to me. We've said that over and over. He is really, 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 really beyond comprehension, big and good and loving and all that kind of stuff. You'll never understand it here all. You can't. Just always remember, he's better than I think he is. He's bigger than I think he is. I love finding out about him. So it's a witness of the Spirit. And, and uh, here's a random thought that I have had recently. People, people will take the good news and add some bad news to it. That's what they do. They're afraid to leave it just good news. There's got to be qualifiers. They're going to add some bad news to it. Oh, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Come and pray this little prayer and it'll all happen for you. And, and, and then, and then uh, God, he just loves you so much. He just loves you so much. And once you get involved and they'll say, that, that was good news. Yeah, this is great news. Great, great news. I got a little bit of bad news to go along with the good news. You're going to have to work hard to maintain it. You're going to have to work hard to keep it because you can even lose it. You can even lose something that God did for you. How do you, you didn't work to get it to start with. You don't work to keep what, that which you did not work to get. It's yours. It's a gift. God gave it to you. Okay? Don't add anything to it. Listen. One of the most important things in handling scriptures is always rightly divided. Meaning, there is a clear division between new covenant and old covenant. You understand that? For those of us in this room and everybody else in the world, the old covenant is dead. It's gone. It's been replaced. It's obs it was obsolete. Don't ever bring the old into the new. Do you understand that's what people have been doing since the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve in the, 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 the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They started thinking a certain way. Dualism came into existence. They began thinking a dualistic term of good and evil. Got to be a good. If there's, if there's evil, got to be good. If there's good, got to be evil. You know, it's a dual mindset. Adam and Eve weren't aware of any evil. There wasn't any evil that existed in their minds before they ate of the tree. And it really didn't. After it, they just thought it did. Really. It, was, it changed their concept of God. God didn't separate himself from Adam and Eve. He pursued them. They thought he did. That's, they were afraid. They were ashamed. They were scared. They were frightened. Because we thought you would be angry. So we tried to hide. So it started in the Garden of Eden. That thought system, that thought process. So the nation of Israel decided we want a king. So God decided to give them a king. And he gave them some laws to keep. And all this kind of stuff. Don't mix the old with the new. Only read the old to find Jesus. Okay? Well, read the new to do the same thing, really. Find Jesus and find who you are in it. Don't mix the old with the new. Listen, the good news does not have any bad news in it. There's no bad news in the good news. 
And that is such good news. If you think about it, meditate on that. No single piece of bad news at all in the gospel of grace. The true gospel. The real gospel. No bad news in it. Not a one. Not one piece of bad news in it. And that's such good news. I feel like getting up on a mountaintop and shouting it. Don't you? Don't you want to just burst sometime to say, golly, this is so good. Y'all could have... You just want to shout it. Well, other people in normal mixture type situations, they may have a moment every once in a while to get pretty excited about, you know, and all of that. But, you know, their, their news isn't good enough to want to shout it from the housetop. It isn't. It isn't good enough to want to do that with. You do it some... <sighs> really, really good news. Okay, John 16. Um, holy smokes. I got to talk faster. John 16. Okay, John 16. Again, I read this last time. I'll read some of it again. Uh, verse 7. Jesus said, but I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the paraclete, shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Mm. That's full of stuff right there. Verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Okay, this is before Pentecost. But he's predicting what's going to happen. The Spirit's come a prophesying of what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit came. Wouldn't you have thought... That the first thing we'd think after this setup, that the Holy Spirit was going to do for us and with us would be to teach us, right? He's going to guide us into all the truth. But we lost that aspect of it. That aspect hasn't been emphasized in our hearts and minds and thoughts hardly ever. When Martha and I After we first got married, we were in seminary. I'm going to try to make this fast. Uh, very, got very, very disillusioned. Uh, I, want, I, I was in the process of quitting and looking for a job. I, I, I got so disillusioned, and I just I, I told Martha, I said, I, I, I can't do this. I, I, I go to these big churches, Baptist churches, and got all the glitz and glamour and the, you know, all the gives, the stuff, the shine, all the stuff. We'd go different churches around, and I'd sit there and think there's absolutely nothing happening here. I just, if nothing's happening with all this, what could I ever do? So I just thought. And then the Lord intervened. We went to a church. 
We got filled with the Holy Spirit. We learned to worship. Worship for the first time just, just ignited our souls and hearts. Just that. So, the gifts are emphasized. I, I've moved in the gifts various times in my life in ways, and it's real. And it's good, properly done, and so forth and so on. But I still didn't see this as clearly as I should have. So we began breaking out of our Baptist box. Trying to kick the walls down. So when we started church in New Mexico, it was a, quote, charismatic church. Uh, meaning we worshipped and there was a little bit of gift stuff, but we prayed for the sick. We, you know, do things like that. We got kicked out of the Baptist church, real, Baptist domination real fast. They didn't like all that. We weren't a black faith in practice, they said. I said, thank God. <laughs> but we grew so fast and got so big and all this, there wasn't much they could do. Uh, we started breaking out of the box. And during that whole period of time, even in New Mexico, I was, what, 27, 8 years old? We started the church and all this. Uh, I, 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 I tried to start wrapping my mind around grace. I mean, I have notes. Just, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't grasp it. I couldn't get it. And didn't know who to talk to. There wasn't anybody to talk to that I knew or heard, even heard of. But it kept, kept going. I kept pushing, kept thinking. And then the words started changing. I, uh, when I, one day, incredible breakthrough came, First John 1. I was reading that, and I just like, oh, my God. <laughs> this, is, this is amazing. This, all our sins are forgiven, past, present, future. Sin, hamartia, you know what sin means? It means missing the mark. It's not a moral thing. It's missing the mark. It's falling short. Falling short of what? For all of sin, it comes short of the what? Glory of God. All of us are in the same boat. Yes, I've fallen short of the glory of God, and so have you. And I'm sure I still do. Oh, I know I do. I don't think God gets as mad at some people as I do. So <laughs> I'm, I'm all short. <laughs> uh, Sin is no issue to God. It's been taken care of, folks. All, all of it. All of it's been taken care of. He did take the sins of the world upon himself. He became sin that who might become the righteousness of God in Christ? Everybody, really. They just don't know it. They're not aware of it. It's not beneficial to them. They don't believe it. It's, it's never a thought to them. He took care of all of it. And the teaching that sin separates you from God? Nonsense. Nothing can separate you from God. God's in everything, folks. He's in everything. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He was with God in the beginning, it says. He was with God in the beginning, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In the beginning was the Word. The Word created everything that exists. The Word holds together. Everything that in, in the universe is held together by Him. 
He's in everything, folks. You can't get away from God. No one can. I don't care where you, where you are. He's there. David told us that. I can go to hell and he's there. He's there. He's everywhere. Things would fly apart instantly without the presence of God. We live and move and have our being in Him. Everyone does. We live and move and have our being. Are you saying everybody are believers? No, I'm not saying that. Are you saying everybody's going to go to heaven? I'm not saying that either. I don't, you know, I don't even think about heaven, really. It's union with God. Whatever God is, I'm in union with. And I've been not only invited, but accepted into His family and made, made to fit in His family. I get to experience what God experiences. That's what's going to happen. I mean, do you, do, you, do you literally think all the stuff in here ought to be taken at face value and read literally? Well, you're a nut if that's the case. There's a lot of it that's allegorical. Do you understand that? All of the book of Revelation is allegorical. All of it. Matter of fact, uh, uh, Augustine said the Revelation should not even be included in the Scripture if it's taken literally. All of it's allegorical. Jesus is not coming back on, a, on a, a white horse carrying a sword and a shield. First century war. Not, that's not literal. Now it says some things. It's a picture of something, yes. <sighs> See, I've been preaching to myself. Jiminy Christmas. God's in everything. He's everywhere. I see Him Everywhere now, folks. I cannot walk out on our golf course without seeing God. He's everywhere. You know the statements are made that even his creation testifies of his existence? It does. He's in you. He's in me. We're all together in him. He's everywhere. You can't separate yourself from God. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Jiminy Christmas. <laughs> what about this? Uh, probably the most famous passage of scripture in the Bible is what? Verse in the Bible is what? John 3.16. What does John 3.16 say? And 17. For God so loved the world. He, well, he loves part of the world. <laughs> he doesn't love those he's sending, you know, ahead of time to be tortured forever. He apparently doesn't love them, or he wouldn't have created them. Anyway, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What does that say to you? Does that say that means uh, perish means they're going to die and go to hell? That's not what it says. He said they'll perish. What does that mean? There'd be no life. It'd be a lack of life. They'll continue to perish. Lack of life. What does he say in verse 17? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be made whole, might be restored to its original intent. That's what it means. What about reconciliation? 
God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Well, when did that really happen? It happened the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That happened. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. When did the world get reconciled to God? In Christ. The whole world got reconciled to God in Christ. You say, well, they're not reconciled to him. Well, that's beside the point. He's reconciled to them. He didn't ask your permission to reconcile you, did he? Did he ask your permission? And when did that happen? Did that happen when you prayed the prayer or when God did it? When God did it, not when you prayed the prayer. That didn't activate God's reconciliation. It was already done before you ever prayed a prayer. You just came into agreement with it, didn't you? I, I did. I thought, hot dog, I'm reconciled to God. And I'm, I'm excited about that. You've been reconciled to God. He didn't ask your permission to do that. He just did it because He loves you. And you know, you, He knows most of us didn't have sense enough to realize that anyway. So, He just did it. He took the sins of the world upon Himself. What did He do with them? He obliterated them. He took it inside of himself and silenced it forever. The accusations. Now I would say there's a lot of missing the mark going on in the world, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Let me read you one verse and I'll stop. Uh, two verses. Ephesians 1. These are things that I, I see and I think, oh my gosh, what's that? Does that, does that, if, if that means what I think it means, then some of this other stuff that I think probably isn't correct. Just a few things. It, it jars me, challenges me, speaks to me. Uh, just this. Uh, Ephesians 1 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. He chose you in Him before the foundation of the world. See, time, space doesn't exist to God. Time and space, we're in time and space. He's beyond it. Okay? But before the foundation of the world... That we should be holy and blameless before Him. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. So is it wrong for me to believe that I'm blameless and holy? No. He chose me in Him to be that before the foundation of the world. It's a long-standing situation. I know I've gone in 10 different directions today. I realize that. It's just, I, uh, <laughs> it's just spinning. Ne next Sunday, I want to talk to you about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not hard. As a matter of fact, it's effortless. Effortless. And you'll begin to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit where you trust His voice to you. 
Not every little specific thing do I think I believe is the Holy Spirit generated. I, I, I don't. But there are some general places, general situations where I know he's leading me into a place of understanding that I haven't had before. I feel it. feel him. So, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll talk about that next week. Okay, this emphasis more than anything else is keep growing. Keep on growing. Keep going. Nobody's going to get mad at you. We can disagree. I, I, I fully expect disagreement. I, I disagree with myself sometimes. It's okay to disagree. In love, it's okay. And I know I've disagreed with some things that I became to agree with later on. It's just a little too much for me at first. But when I began to wrap my mind around it and started praying about it and seeking God about it, I began to think, "Uh uh-oh, I was wrong the whole time. That's okay. It's a journey. I'd I'd love to see every... Listen, in every pulpit in the world, every church meeting, every meeting, if they were just talking to each other about how much God loves them, that'd change the world. Cause everybody to relax and come to rest and be excited. I'm so excited. Never been more excited in my life, honestly. good place to be, a good way to live. Oh, he's a good father. Mm. And as you know, I'm his favorite. So stand up, let me pray for you. Barbara Watts is always arguing with me about that. She's trying to claim favorite status herself, but nah. It's me. <laughs> it's me. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you so much, Lord, for the sense of security we all feel in you. I pray for these dear ones, Lord, and those they influence. That we'll all continue to grow in our understanding and knowledge of God as Jesus did on earth. That we'll continue, Lord, to receive and you said it doesn't make any sense to a natural man, but we're in the spirit, he said. And the spirit, one of the things the spirit was given to us to do, Lord, you said, 
that we might know the things freely given to us by God. Lord, I pray you'll help us pursue that and understand it and uncover everything that Jesus died to give and you released into our lives and our futures. Help us all to be more curious, Lord. Less uh, less stuck. So by faith, Father, we just receive your presence among us, in us. We, we receive Holy Spirit, we receive you as our teacher, our helper, the one with us that's going to guide us through life, that's going to help us in decision-making, that's going to reveal Christ to us and the things that he said, the things that he did. You're going to help us understand all that was given to him by the Father. Help us understand that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.